This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It is day 764 of the two Michaels imprisonment in China. Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor are being held in tough conditions in jail. And we've just heard that they may be getting a little more consular access. And we heard this after the news leaked that while they are languishing in prison, Meng Wanzhou is being granted special privileges in addition to the palatial circumstances of her house arrest. So, while foreign nationals in general are currently barred from non-essential travel in Canada to Canada, immigration gave the green light for Meng's family to visit her, including her husband and two children. They're still here. And this even after she violated lockdown rules by holding parties in restaurants. And this also after China's severe crackdown on democracy advocates in Hong Kong. So what do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I am joined by Chuck Kwan of the Toronto Association for Democracy in China and Gordon Holden, Director Emeritus of the China Institute at the University of Alberta. Hello, and thanks so much for being with us. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Uh, let's start with Gordon. So uh, after this leak about uh, the special treatment given to Meng Wanzhou, suddenly we're finding out that uh, the Michaels are supposed to be getting a little more consular access. Uh, is that the quid pro quo that you see? Well, it's clearly not a equivalent circumstances. Her husband, Liu uh, Xiaozhong, testified in court. So it was uh, known that he was here. Uh, but there's no equivalency at all. Um, she's under, some would say, house arrest, but the reality is she's able to move freely around the around Vancouver and she doesn't leave the city or go to the airport. Uh, they have been held in tough conditions, you said, but uh, particularly in the first six months when they were held by the uh, Ministry of State Security, uh, that was uh, constant surveillance, lights on always, tough questioning, um, which went on for hours and hours into the day and night. And now in slightly better conditions, I visited Chinese jails um, to visit um, Canadian prisoners when I was at the embassy. Uh, this, this is not a, a picnic. There's a shocking difference between the two. But it's a complication because uh, bail conditions are set by the court, not by the government of Canada. So when the judge gave granted her bail uh, and set these conditions, it wasn't the government of Canada that set those. But there's shocking, a sharp and shocking difference between what the two Michaels are living with and what she's living with. Uh, yes, but it was the government of Canada that allowed her family to come here when there are thousands of families who who don't have the same privileges because of COVID-19, is it not? Uh, fair enough. I would have preferred that if it could have been negotiated, or perhaps should have been negotiated, that the family members of the two Michaels 
be allowed to visit there. They have never seen, they exchanged letters, but they've never seen uh, the two Michaels in, in their jail cells on the visiting area of the cells where they're held, uh, two separate jails, and that would have been so, so much more of a balanced exchange. Now, the husband testified in court. I'm not sure of the arrangements, but that was arranged, whether that was something necessary or not. But the, the, the differences in, in treatment between Madame Mung and the two Michaels are, are stark, both in previously and currently. Okay. Chuck, what do you think of this? Well, my concern is the whole unequal treatment that uh, Gordon alluded to. Um, um, you know, for, for too long, we've been playing the good Boy Scouts, kind of like, oh, we want to be humanitarian, we want to be uh, rule, rule of law, uh, not understanding that the other side is a big bully. And, you know, they think nothing about taking the two of my coasts and, and putting them in prison for retaliation of our extradition uh, treaty with the U.S. So I, I think, you know, uh, we have to develop a little bit of a spine in terms of dealing with China, and this comes uh, in, in light of the current situation with the labor camps in uh, the Xinjiang uh, province, as well as the arrests of the uh, pro-democratic activists in Hong Kong. So, you know, we can do all kinds of innocuous measures and platitudes about dealing with China, but uh, we somehow never seem to be able to stand up to China. Every time we stand up, uh, their embassy issue a big, a big lie about what they're doing in China and why we should not be interfering in their internal affairs. I think we should have a, more of a backbone response to that. And Meng Wanzhou's case is uh, one case in point where we could have done much better in terms of stricter enforcement of at least the COVID-19 rules. She is like the most, you know, incredibly privileged person. She wears an ankle bracelet on her, uh, uh, I think they're Louboutin spike heels. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, true. I mean, you know, I was going to say, use the word tone death, but that would be uh, putting the situation too light, too lightly. It's no, it's beyond tone deaf that uh, she would even bother going shopping or going out, out to Chinatown to eat uh, with a group of ten people. I think uh, it was fourteen, Chuck. Uh, fourteen, you know, you know, breaking provincial rules. I mean, uh, it just, it just amazes me uh, the kind of um, disregard of common courtesy. You know, you're a prisoner uh, a bit uh, uh, on bail. You know, uh, in in Canada, and we we have two prisoners up there. They're living in very very harsh conditions, as Gordon have said. You know, there's no comparison. You know, why are you do, why are you doing all this? I'd like to give the numbers out again. So, uh, people, what do you think about the stark contrast? Our guys languishing in jail. This is day 764 in very tough conditions. Meng Wanzhou gets her family to visit her while she breaks COVID-19 rules. What do you think about the way the government is handling this being so nice? 416-360-0740, toll free one 866 740 
40. Now, Gordon, it was confirmed that immigration authorized uh, Meng's family visit. But do you think as a former diplomat, would the prime minister's office have seen this? How high would this have gone up in the government? Very good question. Well, I can speculate. I don't know for certain. And just by the way, I've known Chuck Kwan. I worked with him when I was in government all the way back to Tiananmen, and I've got a, a deep uh, respect for what he, the work he's been doing all these years on these human rights issues. I think it could have gone. Um, this is such a sensitive case. I'm sure that at least the prime minister's office would be aware of the of what was happening, and uh, certainly in Global Affairs Canada as well, even if this was a, 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 a immigration citizenship uh, decision. You know, the inequalities of treatment don't stop there as well. In the charges for which the two Michaels are being held, they're not allowed access to a lawyer, for example, whereas Madame Mong has a high-priced, top-notch legal team, as large as she wishes, because certainly Huawei can afford it. There's been, so they're using they're multiple of uh, different... They don't see sunlight. They don't have a, a door period. I mean, very minimum. Uh, of course, they should just be released and brought back to Canada immediately. But at a minimum... They ought to be under a form of house arrest. There are precedents for that. The Garrets, when they were held um, a few years ago, another same couple, and also at the beginning in difficult circumstances, they were eventually moved to a form of house arrest, Madame Garrett first. And, and this, this thing that could be done to, to improve uh, their mental health, improve their physical health, and to create a little bit of a balance. But uh, Chuck's right. Um, China's tough. Um, they don't have the rule of law. They don't have the same respect for humanitarian norms that we do in treatment of our prisoners, let alone the merits of why they're being held. Uh, and the fact that they were simply seized as retaliation uh, is a simple is a fact, even if China hasn't admitted that. Is it a matter, Chuck, of the economy? Is that the decider? Uh, pretty much a lot, uh, but it's not very true. It's actually uh, kind of part of the pattern that we are seeing now with this, uh, quote-unquote, rising China uh, under Xi Jinping. They're not, they're not taking any prisoners uh, in, in the economic front or in diplomatic front. And, like, they're the big brother, and we are the meek, uh, medium-power country that has to kind of, you know, toe the line. And, you know, even uh, the alliances is kind of, you know, holding up very, very strenuously. Uh, look at Australia. Look at how they have been very forceful. Of course, they pay for the price, uh, but at least they've been forceful in, in signaling to the world that we can stand up to China if we can all get together. And I've seen precious little countries, uh, you know, doing that right now. Um, my, my, my concern also is, um, you know, we have, uh, I, I've known uh, at least 20, 30 refugees from Hong Kong right now in third countries. They are dying to get into Canada to claim, um, at least uh, apply for refugee status. Um, and they've been prevented from doing so because of COVID-19. Uh, they couldn't get even can can get even get into the into our borders to apply for uh, as a refugee claimant. So, you know, where's the fairness? Where's the justice? You know, if you're going to let the two children and the husband visiting over Christmas to have a family gathering, I, I hope that you, 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 you know, share a, a bit of a sympathy for these people languishing in third countries that are 
homeless and basically they can no longer stay there anymore and they're desperate to get to Canada so that they can at least have some humanitarian treatment. Uh, I have a question. I mean, uh, my understanding is that there are 300,000 people with Canadian citizenship in Hong Kong. And if they have Canadian citizenship, that means they can come home. Like, what are they waiting for? Can I jump in there? Yeah, um, sure. I would like Gordon to <laughs> Oh, thanks, Chuck. Uh, always a pleasure to work with Chuck. Sorry, we're losing you. Gordon? Sorry. There were roughly a million Hong Kongers who left Hong Kong in the period in the 80s and 90s. About a third of them went back. So that's roughly 300,000. These are based on a 2010 census. But uh, for many of them, they're there for economic reasons. They've got better prospects and jobs. Or they're there for cultural reasons because of the familiar surroundings. I don't know how they're going to be. <clears throat> if they could get on a plane and come tomorrow as Canadian citizens, they cannot be stopped under our laws. They could come tomorrow. But where would they work? Where would they live? They are there by choice. And uh, some of them will leave. Some of them, they don't need refugee status. They can't come. But uh, they're in a somewhat different category. If things get bad quickly in Hong Kong, if things get worse, you could see a movement. And many of their children leave because they see the advantages of a life in Canada. But I don't think we're going to see that third of a million depart right away. Well, my question, I, I have a certain bias. I'm, I'm a daughter of, of Holocaust survivors, so I'm, how bad does it have to get? Their children are being arrested now. Chuck, do you have a view on that? Very, very, very bad. I mean, uh, Hong Kong is basically lost. And, you know, I'm a Hong Konger, so I, I, I totally uh, um, get it when you're whole nation or your whole people is being wiped out or be at least uh, politically wiped out. So, you know, I, I, you know, the recent news is that the Hong Kong is demanding that 300,000 Canadians choose. They do not, if they want to have the right to a boat in Hong Kong, that means you can go in and out of Hong Kong without any visa or any uh, work permit. Uh, you have to abandon your Canadian citizenship. And this is the next step they're trying to do right now, is they're trying to, uh, you know, make you into, quote-unquote, a Chinese citizen. And 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 sort of, uh, you know, even taking that kind of connect, Canadian connection away. And I think when that comes around, you'll see uh, that a lot of more people are now thinking, well, better to be, um, you know, out of employment in Canada than to be in prison in Hong Kong. That's the kind of thing that I, I can see, uh, foresee coming. Well, I mean, there are other countries like Iran, and when there are Iranian Canadians, Iran doesn't recognize their Canadian citizenship. That's right. And they can get into yeah. big trouble when they get back. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't understand if people have a choice. Um, you know, exactly. it seems yeah. pretty obvious to me for for your safety and and whatever. I and and look at what they're doing to, uh, after the law has been passed, the national security law. They're applying on every single, basically everything single quote unquote crime that you've committed before the passage of law is now subject to arrest, like these pro democracy activists. 
I mean, what they were doing were, were not illegal. They were, you know, or people were protesting because they had the right to protest under the one country, two systems. But now they're charging everybody who has, quote unquote, violated the national security law. Uh, the case of Jimmy Lai, you know, he was, uh, after the law, he's not supposed to collude with the foreign government. So he went to visit Mike Pence, um, you know, way before the national security law was passed. And now he's being charged with colluding and, you know, uh, with foreign governments. And he, that's, a national, that's a security crime that is uh, punishable by long-term prison sentences. Well, l- so remind us... The law you know, rule of law in this thing. Right? Remind us who Jimmy Lai is. So um, Jimmy Lai, the outspoken media tycoon, who ran the only independent newspaper in Hong Kong. So, uh, at least in Chinese language. So uh, you know, even your uh, uh, wealth and uh, privilege won't and prominence you. won't protect you there, That's uh, right. Gordon. And and, uh, and no. in the long term, Canadian citizenship will not protect you either. Go ahead, Gordon. Well, what's going to happen, I think, over time, I think Chuck's right, people will have to make a choice. They won't all choose uh, Canada. Some will and some won't. Uh, when I served in the 90s in Hong Kong, um, before the handover, uh, 60% of the Legislative Council were Canadian citizens. And they were then, post the 97 approach, they had to renounce their Canadian citizenship if they were going to serve in the Legislative Council, which many did. But I think you're going to see a a bifurcation, a splitting of that 300,000 into those who want to um, share their life with China, those who want to come to Canada. And if if the majority come to Canada, which is very probable, uh, that will be wonderful for us because these are highly skilled, hardworking individuals who, like the rest of the Hong Kong diaspora, have made a huge contribution to the building of this country and in all sorts of sectors. So I, I don't, I, I, of course, they are still being allowed to leave. I emphasize that. There's not 300,000 prisoners there. But they are under pressure, as Chuck outlined, particularly when it comes to, to press freedoms, political freedoms, that pressure is on. And I think Chuck's right that China will eventually make it very difficult for you to be both, to be a dual citizen. Under Chinese law, and Hong Kong is part of the People's Republic of China, dual citizenship is not actually um, allowed. Uh, it is tolerated in Hong Kong, but elsewhere in China, if you go, to the, if you go there and you're a dual citizen, uh, if you're arrested, uh, getting consular access to you is very difficult, even though our consular treaty says it should be allowed. So I think if if things continue to run in this direction, and there's no indication they won't, um, Hong Kong is going to be a, a, a running sore between Canada and China. I actually think that the two Michaels of the Hmong case will be solved. Maybe the Americans will drop the extradition treaty uh, request. I'm not sure. I think in a couple of years, a year or two, that could be behind us. But I think Hong Kong is going to prove to be a far bigger problem in the relationship with China than the two Michaels and, and Madame Monk, which is not to minimize the situation there for our two Michaels, simply that I am hopeful that it will be solved. I'm much more skeptical about the prospects for our Canadians in Hong Kong. Well, uh, I hope for the sake of the two Michaels, it's not a year or two. Let's hear from Pat here in Toronto. Hi, Pat. Hi, Libby. Uh, I think an important thing for everybody to realize the Canadian citizenship is essentially a get-out-of-jail-free card. And, you know, if the people would love to go to the U.S., but as you know, the U.S., once you become a U.S. citizen, you're required to file a U.S. tax return every year, whereas Canada and most of the rest of the world doesn't have that. 
So that is the reason that Canada is very much a popular uh, country to come and have your five-year requirement and then then leave because you've got your get-out-of-jail-free card. Uh, and we saw the same thing, if you remember, with uh, Lebanon a few yep. years ago. So uh, it's important to realize that, that the, the U.S. Is, is, is a great country, but they impose their, their taxation regardless of where you live in the world. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm uh, a great country at the moment. <laughs> Maybe not so much. Pat, Pat, thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay, we, we still have just a few minutes left in this segment. Uh, the numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And uh, this is a whole other topic, but there are a lot of people, Chuck Kwan, who think Taiwan is next. Yes, very much so. And I think Gordon would probably have a better sense of this. Um, my, my fear is that uh, China is now emboldened um, basically by their status in the world right now. Um, they basically have, they can do what they want to do. Um, you know, they are economically powerful enough to dictate the terms of uh, trade and whatnot. And certainly um, they have that bullying, bullyish uh, behavior that, that you know, the, the wolf warrior kind of uh, attitude that uh, they've been propagating. And, and certainly that will serve them for, for many decades to come. So uh, in, in that sense, they, they have nobody to apologize to and they basically get their way. So unless we all come together and, and, and you know, kind of opposed to this kind of, you know, bullish attitude, uh, you know, we're going to be in a, in, in, in a bad shape in the long run. Gordon, do you think that uh, the Biden administration will do things differently? Will they advocate on our behalf? What do you think is happening next? I think they will advocate on our behalf. Uh, as um, this, some, I think the Trump administration did so rather tepidly. Uh, Biden administration may be more helpful. Uh, they, um, the traditional approach of the American administrations for multiple administrations has been the, at the beginning they're tough on China, and then as they look at the economic factors and the, how to deal with North Korea or the Middle East, they realize they have to have to make deals. Trump was the other way around. He started off with a bit of a love fest with Xi Jinping and then got tough near the end. I think Biden and his new team Lincoln at State and, and the, the Pentagon, they they will start off tough. Um, I think though there's a long-term challenge there, and that is the rise of China. Chuck alluded to at the very beginning. Chinese economy is almost certainly going to be larger than the U.S. economy by the end of this decade, and 20, 30 years from now, it could be twice the size, given it has four times the population. So this is going to create a whole new dynamic, which has implications for Taiwan, for Canada, and the rest of the world. How are we going to deal with an exceptionally powerful China that will be, perhaps, the most powerful state on Earth, uh, a superpower that will match the U.S. far from it yet in military terms, but it's on the way towards parity. That's a whole new complicated 21st century. But we don't want war, that's for sure. Um, on the other hand, how do you protect Canadians? How do we protect our way of life and our independence? These are challenges that will be going on for decades. Okay, uh, Chuck, I'll give you the last word. Uh, 
basically, I, I think I think we we have to have a national strategy, and it comes from the top leadership. And my my concern is the current liberal government is is you know not as forceful as we would like. I I, I think uh, you know I would take the Magnitsky Act that everybody is calling for our government to take uh, to apply sanctions to uh, those officials responsible for the, what's happening with, in the Uyghur camps and what's happening in Hong Kong. You know, that the Amnesty Act has been, sanction has been applied to many other countries, including Russia, um, you know, including Ukraine and other places. Why not to China? Uh, that's, that remains my number one puzzling, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just puzzled. Um, I know the I know the reason for that, but I'm just puzzled why we are not taking a a a, a, a fair shot at this. Okay, uh, I'm sure this will come up again. In the meantime, thank you so much, Gordon Holden and Chuck Juan. Thank you, Libby. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.